It was November 24th, 1848, when John Wilson Marshall discovered gold in California. I think the name of the place was Suda Mills, California, 1848. The word spread, and there was indeed a gold rush. The little town of San Francisco grew to over 30,000 people in less than a year. And by 1850, the state of California was added to the Union. California or bust. There was gold in those hills. And off they went. When we follow Jesus, we discover another type of gold. A much more important gold. We refer to this as the golden rule from Matthew 7 and verse 12. Read it with me. Matthew 7 verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them? For this is the law and the prophets. Let's focus for a few minutes this morning on the golden rule. The golden rule. Everybody lives by some rule or another. I remember Paul saying in Romans 6.16, Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. There, there There are a set of rules found in the world that leads to sin unto death. But then there are the words of Jesus that leads to obedience unto righteousness. The golden rule is a big part of the words of Jesus. I want us to do three things together this morning. I want us to first see how that the golden rule is to be greatly admired. It is great. And after that, I want us to see how that the golden rule is far above all other rules. Far above all other rules. And then finally, I want us to see how that we can better live out that golden rule in our lives. And so let's begin by thinking about how that the golden rule is to be greatly admired. And it is to be greatly admired because of its simplicity. Just 26 words. Just 26 power-packed words from the King James Version of Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. So easy to read, so easy to understand, so easy to remember, so, so easy to say. So simple. So simple. You see, we don't have to remember the name of everything that's bad out here in the world. We don't have to remember the name of everything that's bad, every vice that's out here in the world. We don't have to remember the name of everything that's good out here in the world, especially when it comes to our relationships with other people. But if we have the golden rule written on our hearts, we're going to make good decisions. If we're having trouble making good decisions, 
then we simply must go back and write this golden rule upon our hearts and upon our minds. See, relationships do not have to be complicated. They don't have to be complicated. Going into a relationship or just waking up in a relationship with people all around us, we have nothing to fear because we know that going into that relationship, we know exactly how we're going to treat, treat that other person. We're going to treat them with the golden rule. No matter how they treat us, we're going to treat them as we would be treated, Jesus says, Matthew 7, verse 12. And so in every relationship, there should be no worries. There should, no, there should be no second guessing. We've got this done. I'm going to treat you the way I would want to be treated. And if they can't handle that, that's their problem. But if they would do that back to me, oh, what a wonderful world it would be. So simple. So simple. That's why it's great. It's also great because there's great potential behind the golden road. Just think about it. If the golden rule was applied in a consistent way across the board, across this world, how things would change. How many fewer problems we would have on an international scale in, in, in the political uh, scheme of, of things on a national level, in our educational system, at our homes, in the workplace, and at church. Just think of the potential Uh, for good that people could accomplish with the golden rule. And especially if you read the golden rule in connection with Matthew 16, 26, where Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If we have the high priority of the soul in our hearts along with the golden rule, then that's when things get real exciting. Great potential. With the golden rule, there'll be truth in every conversation. With the golden rule, there'll be honesty in every deal. With the golden rule, there will be faithfulness in every relationship. With the golden rule, there'll be love in every congregation. What great potential the golden rule has. And it's great because of that. It's also great because it gives us great insight into the Bible. It gives us wonderful insight into the Bible. You, did you hear what Jesus said there in Matthew seven twelve with the golden rule? He said, for this is the law and the prophets. There's great insight into the Bible. This is a big part of what God has in store for us. This is God's aim for us. God's aim for us is really twofold. That is to, to learn of our responsibility to Him and then also to be like Him in our treatment of other people. See, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 22, beginning in verse 37. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the golden rule is not the full gospel. The Sermon on the Mount is not the full gospel. A person cannot say, well, if I just treat people fairly, then I'm going to go to heaven. You can't say that. This is not the full gospel. We must realize that there is sin in the world and sin separates us from God and we have a responsibility to learn of God's plan of salvation as Peter spoke of it in Acts 2, 37 and 38. 
when the people ask, you know, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter responds by inspiration, according to the Lord's mind, Peter responds and says, repent ye and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the golden rule is not the full gospel, but it's a big part of it because this is God's aim for us. As we submit to Him in obedience, then He wants to create out of us a person that is in His image, especially how we relate uh, to other people. So it gives us great insight into the Bible. If we want to know about what the Bible's trying to do with us, then look at the golden rule. You see, God has in mind that we influence people for His Son. And unless the golden rule is our rule, then we cannot influence for His Son. And then it is great because it rings with authority. The golden rule demands a decision. This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, as you would have someone treat you, then you do you also unto them. This is the Lord speaking. You do unto them. You do unto them. This demands for us to sit up and pay attention and to make a decision for the Lord. Are we going to have this rule in our life or not? This is not a suggestion by Jesus. He says, you do this. You do this. Appreciate Chris reading for us from Luke 10 before Bible class this morning about the Good Samaritan which is a great parallel to the golden rule. At the end of that, Jesus asked the man, the lawyer, he said, now which of these men, the priest Levite or the Samaritan, was a neighbor to that man who was left half dead? Of course, they all had to answer the one who showed mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and do it. This is not a suggestion. This is not something to do if we just happen to like doing this. This is not something we do with just a select few. All things, therefore, whatsoever. This is for everybody in all situations. This rings with authority, the authority of Jesus Christ Himself. You see, Jesus, Jesus did not die. In just a few moments, we're going to assemble around the communion and remember the death of our Lord and His burial and, and resurrection. But look here. Jesus did not suffer and die for us to live the way we choose to live. Jesus did not go through the torment of, of the cross and the torture thereof. He did not go through that for us to just wake up one day and choose to live as we want to live. This is His command to us. It rings with authority. Jesus didn't come to this earth earth to endorse my way of thinking. He didn't come to approve or put a stamp of approval on someone's life. He is calling us out of the world saying, at least in this respect, He is calling us out of the world and saying, you live, you put this golden rule in your hearts and in your minds. And so it is great, it's a thing to be greatly admired. In the second place, let's think about how it's far above all other rules. All men live by some rule. Some men live by just ultimate selfishness. You might just call this the playboy rule. Okay. And Paul had to address this. It was, it was dominant in Paul's day as it's dominant in our day. Okay. But Paul uses this to, 
to illustrate something about the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of the dead in 1 Corinthians 15. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 32, Paul says, basically, if the dead are not raised, then we might as well live by this philosophy. What is that philosophy? Well, the philosophy of Paul's day in contradiction to Christ, the philosophy of Paul's day was eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That was the circulating philosophy if you didn't follow Jesus in those days. Just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. A lot of folks still hang on to that idea. Jesus' golden rule is far above this idea. Far above. Far above. But if we're not careful, we'll be, we'll be trapped by such philosophies. I would dare say that if any Christian was asked about what to live by. This rule of ultimate selfishness or the golden rule, every Christian would advise the golden rule, but practically in their life, in their lives, how does it look? Now I need to ask myself this, and you too. Eat, drink, be merry before we die. Are we just doing things to get to the next pleasure? If we are, then we're not living the golden rule. Jesus' rule is far above this rule. And then what about what's sometimes called the iron rule? This is the rule that was used in the Good Samaritan. This was used by those who, 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 who beat that man, who, who robbed him, the thieves. This is the iron rule. The iron rule is, if I am bigger and stronger and smarter or richer than you, and I'm able to take what is yours and make it mine, then I'm going to do that. In other words, what is yours is mine if I'm big enough, strong enough, smart enough, rich, rich enough to do it. That's the iron rule. We see this in the Bible quite a bit, don't we? Quite a bit. What about in Exodus 1 when Pharaoh... Pharaoh, the new Pharaoh that came up after Joseph was dead, the new Pharaoh that came up, and he looked at all these Israelites in his land, and he said, let's make, let's make slaves out of them. Let's, let's give them rigorous, hard labor. And, but yet they just continue to multiply. And then what did they do? He said, well, let's, let's kill all their sons. That's what, he, that's what he did. Let's kill all their sons. Same kind of thing happened after Jesus was born with Herod, Matthew chapter 2, 16. Had all the male children under two years old in Bethlehem killed. Killed. Had the power to do it. Had the means to do it. So did it. Iron rule. The iron rule. This is what David did. This is what David did with Bathsheba. He saw Bathsheba. He had the power to get her. He had the power to get rid of her husband. He did that. That's the iron rule. Live by that iron rule. Terrible. Just terrible. But Jesus' rule far ascends over this rule. But again, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can live by this rule and not even know it. You're not, you're not into intimidating people, are you? You're not into bullying somebody, are you? Pushing people around, are you? That's the same thing. Notice what Jesus said in 1 John 3, verse 15. He said, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. Yeah. Anyone who commits abortion is living by the iron rule. Anyone who murders someone 
isn't living by the iron rule, but you don't have to have a knife or an axe or a gun to become a murderer according to Jesus and according to John in 1 John 3.15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. We have to be careful about the iron rule, but the golden rule is far above the iron rule. And it's also far above, some, some call this the silver rule, but it's basically someone saying, I, I'm going to live in such a way that I don't harm anybody. I'm, I'm not going to harm anybody. Now, they don't end up helping anybody either. They're, they're like the priests and Levite in the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay. They didn't cause the, the beating. They didn't cause the man to be hurt. They didn't cause the robbery, but they also did not stop and help. A lot of people live by this rule. I'm just, I'm just going to go through life, and you'll never be able to blame me for doing any harm. Okay. It's a very dangerous, dangerous philosophy uh, to live by. It's sort of what uh, the rich man we often read from Luke 16, 19 through uh, 31. Brother Don was using this last week as he talked about the afterlife. But, you know, in that story, the, the poor man, Lazarus, was laid at the gate of the rich man. The rich man never helped him. Didn't reach out to help him. Now, he didn't make the man poor. He didn't cause him to have to be, but he didn't help him either. The no harm, no help philosophy of life. And then some live by the buddy-buddy system. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. If you're good to me, I'll be good to you. If you be nice to me, I'll be nice to you. Kind of form an elite club of just doing good to each other. Jesus took care of this, though, in Matthew 5, didn't he? Verses 43 to 47. He says, if you love those that love you, what have you done? You know the answer to that. Even the heathen do that, he says. Even, even those who are operating in gangs in, in Chicago do that. They love those that love them. That's no big deal. That's not, Jesus is not calling us to love those that love us. He's saying love your enemies. Do good to them that persecute you. That's it. Okay. And so... We see that Jesus' golden rule is far above, far above all other rules. That's enough about that. Let's get to the last part. What can we do? What can we think about to help us to live out this rule in a better way? First, I would, of course, recommend that we all be generous as we can. Just as generous as we can. Whereas the iron rule says... What yours is mine, if I'm big enough to take it. The golden rule says, what is mine is yours, if you need it. Isn't that much better? What, what I have is yours, if you need it. That's what Jesus is saying. Because that's how I'd want to be treated if I was in the situation. Being generous. Being generous. And there are some examples of this in Scripture. You've got to love it. What about the Jesus story, the Samaritan in that story? Wow. He was on a journey. He was just as busy as the priest and Levite, the so-called professional religious guys of the day. He was just as busy as they were, but he stopped. Took a lot of time. Cared for the wounds of the man. Put him on his beast. Carried him to a local hotel there, a local inn. 
paid for a stay there, and went back later and checked on him again. Took out a great amount of time in his own life because that's how he would want to be treated if he had been beaten and robbed by a bunch of thieves. I think about, I think about those men in John 1, like Andrew. He found the Messiah. What did he do? He went and got Peter, his brother, and brought him to him. I think about Philip doing the same thing with Nathaniel. Isn't that where we need to go with the golden rule? I mean, has Jesus blessed our life? Do we really appreciate salvation in Christ? And if I didn't know about salvation, if I didn't know about the pathway to heaven, what would I want someone to do for me? And then I should do that for them as well. That's what the woman of the uh, Jacob's well in John 4 did. She found the Messiah. She couldn't wait to go tell all those. Come see a man who told me everything they ever did. That's what Matthew did, the tax collector, Luke chapter 5, 27. That's what he did. He found Jesus. Jesus found him. First thing he did, he, he invited his, his co-workers over for this big feast, invited Jesus to be there so that they could hear Jesus as well. This is great. Zacchaeus of Luke 19, he came to the Lord. He told the Lord, he said, Lord, if I ever find out that in my work as a tax collector, if, if I defraud somebody, I restore it to them fourfold. I believe he's all had already started learning about the golden rule. Golden rule. So being generous, being generous. And I know that you are. We just can't forget it. We got to grow in that. Another thing that we can do is to ask ourselves some personal questions. Do I want someone to gossip about me without asking me about the things they're discussing? No, I don't. So I should not do that to somebody else. Do I want someone to be harsh and critical toward me? No. Then I should not, of course, relate to somebody else in that manner. Would I want someone to embarrass me and laugh at me? I would not want that. No normal person would. And so I'm not going to treat somebody else that way. Would I want someone, if I'm lonely, would I want someone to befriend me if I'm in a situation or I'm at a place where I need a friend? I would want somebody to. Then I should extend that same thing. I should look for people who would need a friend. Would I want someone to give me the benefit of the doubt in any situation of question? I want somebody to give me the benefit of the doubt. So I'm going to extend that to someone else as well. There are hundreds of questions we can ask ourselves to make sure that we are practicing that golden rule. And then we can be what I like to call just radically compassionate. The, the Samaritan in Jesus story in Luke 10 the, the turning point of the story is that he had compassion. The one thing that the priest and Levite did not have was compassion. 
We've just got, we have got, we have got to show the greatest compassion in the world. We are the followers of the most compassionate person who ever stepped on this earth. It was uh, 1982, and their names, Frank and Elizabeth Morris of Kentucky. Their son, Ted, was coming home December 23rd of 1982 and was killed in, a, in the automobile by a drunk driver. Two days before Christmas, their son, Ted, coming home from David Lipscomb College on December 23rd, was hit by a drunk driver and immediately killed. Frank and Elizabeth Morris was, of course, hurt. And they write in their book that they wrote, they write that they were bitter for maybe a few hours. And then they made the decision they were not going to let themselves become bitter. So they searched for the young man who had hit their son. His name is Tommy. They found Tommy. And started visiting Tommy. And eventually had Tommy in their home for a meal. And for three years, they extended kindness to Tommy. It was 1985 when Frank baptized Tommy into Christ. Two years later, this same man, Frank, who lost his son, Ted, in an automobile accident, presided over the wedding of Tommy and a young lady by the name of Jackie. The compassion of Frank and Elizabeth Morris absolutely changed the world, changed the life of this man, Tommy, who was drunk on that December night. But you would agree that Frank and Elizabeth Morris had the golden rule deep down in their heart. And then we can be sure as we close our lesson to be doers of the word. Doers of the word. As I mentioned a little bit ago, God has two aims for us to realize our responsibility before Him as sinners. We will be doers of the word in the sense of repenting of our sins and being baptized into Christ and confessing our sins whenever we stray away from Him, but also be doers of good in the name of Jesus. If it had been left up to the priest and Levite, that man left on that street on the side of that road would have died. He was going to die. They were not doers of the word. Folks, look around us. If everybody does as I do, or as everybody does as you do, what happens to things? What happens to Bible class? What happens to church? What happens to your neighbor? What happens to your family? What happens to your aunt, your uncle? We must be doers of the word. It's been said many times, and it's good to repeat some things. Many people will be lost eternally. 
Not because of something they did. Because of the thing, but because of the things they did not do. God expects us to be pure, but he also expects us to be fruitful. And as we consider the Lord this morning, if we can assist one another with obeying the gospel, assist one another with just being stronger in Christ, we invite you to come. Won't you please do so? Come right now as we stand together and as we sing.